You're listening to the No Gray Areas podcast with Patrick McCullough. In this episode, we welcome Mark Parrish, a West Point grad and an executive leader for numerous corporations. Mark shares with us some character development skills he's learned at West Point, specifically digging into the importance of honor and integrity. Let's listen in. So Mark, welcome to the show. Uh, We met a couple of months ago and it was a fascinating introduction. We were riding in the back of a car together. We had some great conversations, (laughs) but you have such an interesting life. I mean, you went to West Point, you flew Apache helicopters in Desert Storm One, you ended up training Israeli pilots, Mm -hmm. right? That was amazing. Then you went to MIT. You've been the CEO or COO of some major companies. Like, what, what are some of those companies? Well, I was in a significant leadership role. That I, first of all, let me pause you for a second yes. and say it's an honor to be here. Even though oh. the topic is honor, it yeah. does play into that. Yeah. But, uh, the significant leadership roles that stand out for me was director of vehicle assembly for Harley-Davidson. I was the chief of operations. Harley-Davidson, Harley Davidson. yeah. You, you got, got people's it. interest right there. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, chief operations officer for Simmons Mattress. Uh, became the chief executive officer in a serial fashion for the last uh, four opportunities. Yeah. And the last one that I um, was responsible for was Igloo Coolers. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, so you've had some significant leadership. Yeah, and you were trained point. in leadership at a very early age mm-hmm. in West Point, which is what we'll talk about. Yeah. But, you know, this podcast is connected to a mutual friend of ours, right? Indeed, Joe Gagliano, yeah. No Gray Areas. And the title of the book alone, No Gray Areas, seems to indicate the importance of integrity, which is why when you and I were talking, it mm. fits so well. So, you're, you're set, you were 17 years old when you went yeah, into West Point, indeed, right? Yeah, mom and dad signed. Yeah. Wow. So you're 17 years old. You go into West Point. But one of the things that you did at West Point is, is the honor code that you had to learn. That's right. So you had to quote often. So, so what is that honor code? Okay. Well, it's, it's a great place to start. Before we get into the detail of the honor code, yeah. do you mind if I make reference? I know there's a listening audience. Oh, for sure. Do you mind if I make reference to some of the documents that I brought Please with do. me? Please do. I think people will... Uh, enjoy maybe some of the surprise and what's before me. So when we get to the academy, of course, it's registration day. It's the day Mm -hmm. of of the Mm -hmm. greatest fear in your life. I'm here 17 years old. I'm awaiting the opportunity to swear in as a cadet. It's actually an oath of allegiance, not to office, but rather allegiance. So it's a little bit different than the oath of office that you take upon graduation. Yes. Upon getting your initial uniform issued to you, I found it wonderfully pleasant that the first thing I was issued with my name on it was a cadet, was a Bible, was wow. an actual Bible. And so and I had that's, that's the one. This is that the you're one. Holding. And so I have an embossed version that says Mark A. Parrish on it. And that was the first document issued okay. at that time. So they hand you a Bible. And that's it. The second is called the Cadet Bible. It's actually officially known as the Bugle Notes. Mine says Bugle Notes 1983 to 87, a reference to the years that I was at the academy. And inside, inside the Bible, is his word, and inside the bugle notes <laughs> is their word. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And, and sometimes at West Point, that was more important. Well, than there, the, there are times where it certainly needed to align. And by the way, that brings us back to honor, and we'll, yes. we'll touch on that. Uh, there's also in front of me, and you see mold stained. I used to carry it in a plastic bag, but it's called the Common Task, uh, common task Training yeah, Manual yeah. for Cadet Basic Training. So while there's his word, and it's their word, this is what all of us shared in terms of training. So it was it was yeah. the word according to the family business, Uncle Sam. You know, I worked in a family you, business, my you, uncle. So <laughs> Did you, you like your uncle? I, I, I loved my well, uncle. Well, you've devoted a lot of your life to your uncle, so thank yeah. you. You're yeah, welcome. Yeah, my greatest honor. That. My greatest honor. So the honor code that you yeah. that you had, what, yeah. what is that? You told me that a couple of months ago and yeah. it stood out to me. It's, uh, it's 13 simple words that really frame up 
the mission of the academy. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say it in a moment, but I, I think it's really important to outline that mission. Yeah. So when you enter as a cadet, a new cadet, and upon graduation from Beast Barracks, as it's called, Cadet Basic Training, um, you find yourself as a cadet. And in that capacity, uh, you have to be well aware of the mission of the United States Military Academy. And so I'll give you the first line, and I'll paraphrase a little bit of it. The mission of the United States Military Academy is to educate, train, and inspire the leaders of character required to lead the Department of Defense and our nation. The leaders of character. And that's a good word, and I, I, I'm glad you word. emphasize it, Pat. You picked right up on it. So when we're talking about um, vocations, occupations, and profession, I like to make a distinction. And so the first is that of occupation. We have jobs, and they provide. And that's yep. wonderful, yep. And, and, and I'm grateful for those that have a job in their families. Uh, the second is a vocation. A little bit different connotation. It's a, mm -hmm. it's actually the idea of a calling. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's your place to be. Okay. And then there are professions. And professions have a code, mm. a, a way of being. Um, Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer, yeah. now deceased, used to say, um, we're not called human doings. We're called human beings. Yes. And so it's the idea of, is there a code to how you will be when you are doing what you do? And so for a That's profession, profession, yeah, so for a profession, it's the idea of there is a code, there is a measurement of how well you perform in that code, in the, in the sphere of that code, and then there's a accountability system by which that measurement holds you accountable. So when you went into West Point, it mm -hmm. wasn't an occupation? No, you were, you were preparing to enter the profession the of profession. arms, the profession yes. of arms, as it's called. Man, I love that distinction. So that, so this profession, there's an honor code that goes with any profession. So, so if you go back to the mission that I mentioned earlier, so yes, we, we talk about the mission of the military academy is to develop leaders of character. And so you think about the, the, the profession that I just mentioned, uh, for example, doctors, doctors and the, the code of their conduct is the Hippocratic Oath. Um, you think about liars, they, the bar is the yeah. standard yeah. by which they are they measured. They have their honor codes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so when you think about West Point and its mission of developing leaders of character, the measurement of character, the fundamental measurement of character, the pillar is integrity. Oh. Integrity. And, and the root of integrity is, is actually love. I make note of that. Integral. So the, the root, the, the etymology of the word integrity is love. And we really? distinguish that from fear. They're both four-letter words. Yes, yes. <laughs> so on the spectrum, they're a lot, lot different. That's yeah. exactly right. And yeah. we, can, we can unpack that one in a moment. But when I'm referring to the honor code, it's mm -hmm. important to note that if, if character is the goal and integrity is the measurement of character, then the honor system is the accountability system put in place to ensure integrity is measured and reflects the development of character. So they knew that they, like part of the academy's goal is to create men and women of integrity. That's correct. But in order to do that, they have an honor code that says- That this creates is, a goal, a standard, yes. a gold standard, and creates a measurement against that. Yeah. And now the 13 simple words- Yes, I can't a wait little to hear more, A little more significant, I hope, in context. And yeah. so it is that a cadet will not lie. Listen to every word, sorry. A cadet will not lie, will not lie, cheat or steal, nor tolerate those who do. Oh, wow. 
Say it again. A cadet yeah. will not lie, lie cheat, cheat, or, or steal, steal, nor tolerate those who do. So you, as 17 years old, you're going in, and that's your honor code that you're that you're learning. Okay, so so Go ahead. you you've got you've got <laughs> decades since then. Yeah. How has yeah. that played out in your life? Like, obviously, you were in the military for, and again, thank you for your service. Indeed. But you were in the military, and that certainly played out in there. But in your in the totality of your life, I mean. You, you go into the civilian world, you're in hmm. leadership. How has that honor code played out in those different areas? I, I, I think there's probably two things I'd like to do to reference it. If you're, if you're still in the, in the uniform services, uh, I resigned in 1993 as an active duty captain um, to go to MIT, the transition that we, we, you mentioned earlier. But if you, if you think about those who remain in the uniform, I'd, I'd like to share, if I could, one of the references. Please do. I'd like to share, if I could, because it really makes the distinction that you're, um, that you're addressing right now. Yeah. Like there's the honor code, oh, that's for uniform guys, gals. No, and then there's the life after, right? So yes. this is important. Yes. Um, I'll read this if you'll allow. So this is actually from the Secretary of War. It was written, um, or it was spoken 17 May of 20. And this is what it says. So allow for the gender specific uh, in this case. Men may be inexact or even untruthful in ordinary manners and suffer as a consequence only the disesteem of their associates. That's it. Yeah. A little untruthful. It's not a big loss. Eh, not yeah. a big loss. Um, or maybe the inconvenience of unfavorable litigation. Eh, maybe I get sued. Yeah. But the inexact or untruthful soldier trifles with the lives of his fellow men and the honor of his government. Whew. It's therefore no matter of idle pride, but rather stern disciplinary necessity that makes West Point require of her students a character of trustworthiness which knows no evasions. In the final analysis of the West Point product, character is the most precious component. Wow. So that's a reference when the honor system was established in this very means that it is today by General MacArthur as superintendent of the academy. How incredible though, at 17 years old, <laughs> that, that's being instilled in you, yeah. that this, the, the character is, is critical, especially in the services, because mm -hmm. like that spells out, mm -hmm. uh, lives are on the line. Yes. For yes. lack of character there, where you may get sued in the civilian world, or mm -hmm. you may be inconvenient, as right. I said, right. but lives could be on the line in the military. But you, you then, in the civilian world, you've seen the importance of character and integrity as well. Well, indeed. And, and so I, I think it's really important. In fact, I, I, uh, beyond importance, I really want to emphasize that the basis of every decision that I make is yeah. value-based and principle-driven. And I mean the smallest in any relationship that you have, Pat. So let's think about it for a moment. Um, when you arrive at the academy, yeah. you're given standards to meet. You may not know the rationale or the reasoning, as I'm quoting now. You've never read that on the day that you arrived. Mm -hmm. But upon arrival, you recognize you darn well better comply. <laughs> and so the mental framework of that first developmental year yeah. at all the service academies is to recognize that there is a standard, a measure of success, and you will be held compliant yeah. to it. Yeah. You must comply. Yeah. There's a moment. And I pray it happens in every cadet's mind. Um, there's a moment where you transition. Mm. It may be subconscious, but you transition no longer to compliance, but you understand the fundamental values and principles behind the reason there's that code. And it transitions to commitment. Compliance yeah. and then commitment.
So you move from, uh, I'm going to do this because I might get in trouble from an officer <laughs> to I'm going to do this because it's the right thing. That's right. Yeah. So it goes from, I told you so to, I want it. So yeah. Yeah. It's a, like that. Yeah. And it's really a significant transition that occurs. And so once you've made the transition to commitment to a way of being, not doing a way of being while you do things, that commitment can never go away. Whether you're in the uniform or not, it never goes away. I used to have a conversation um, with a dear colleague at Harley, and he would, he would ask me at the time, we're making motorcycles, it's cool, it's a lot of fun, and, and, uh, and he asked me one day, and he was a man of, of uniform service, uh, he was a veteran, and he asked me one day, hey boss, you know, we're out on the factory floor, man, it must be boring, it must be boring for you after mm. flying Apache helicopters. Must be boring in civilian life. And this gets back That's to your question. That's a question. Yeah, so, yeah. so he- I think most people would think that. His name was Tim, he was a military police officer in the army. He says, man, you must be bored. And so I picked up on that and simply had the opportunity to say, well, you know, Tim, let's go back in time here just a little bit. And think about me flying an Apache helicopter and the sorties that we flew in Desert Shield and Storm and the lessons that we taught the Israeli Defense Force. and. Um, and the years in the cockpit. And yes, that was, it was an honor. We were protecting liberties and freedoms and we were in, we were, we were performing a mission. Yes. We felt directed. We knew that it was about life and death, but we trained and trained and trained for the consideration and scenario, the contingency of life and death. That was our job. We were doing our job. Yeah. So when you think about it, if the service was about life and death, then out of the surface, in a leadership position, we define leadership as taking a person to a place that they otherwise wouldn't go alone. Mm -hmm. If they mm -hmm. were going to go anyway, you don't need to yeah, lead them. They don't need a leader. Right. And you go with them, taking them along the side. You lead. So if you're ever looking for a leadership litmus test, just look over your shoulder. If someone's following you, yeah. you're a leader, whether you want to be or not. Yes. And so from that perspective, when he and I impacted from a civilian perspective, it was the idea that it's not about life and death routinely in the workplace, but it is about livelihood. Remember I said, occupation is precious. Yes. Vocation is precious. Yeah. So it's about maintaining livelihoods. It may not be life and death, yeah. but in the role in uniform, if we thought life and death, we'd lock up in the cockpit, as academy grads would say, spaz. We'd spaz in the cockpit and be of no use to our fellow service members. Mm -hmm. So it's no less nor more important, yeah. life and death or livelihood yeah. and the absence of. Yeah. So I emphasize that the codes that allowed for us to perform to the highest standard, lie, cheat, steal, nor tolerate those who do, were absolutely at the core of the values-based and principled decisions that are made through the rest of your life. Yeah. So we were, we were up late last night out yeah. on the patio yeah. visiting, mm -hmm. and you brought up something that was interesting about that word principle. That, that's that's a that's a, an important word, right? Yeah, yeah. It is. Can you unpack that? Yeah, we used to. You know, one of the great insights from uh, Peter Drucker was that principles are universal. Doesn't matter where you are, mm -hmm. uh, society, civilian sector, veteran, uniform. Doesn't matter where you are. It's the idea that it's universal truth and yeah. it's not time bound. Yeah. The distinction of knowing what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. So for a moment, if, if I may, so the motto of the military academy, three simple words, duty, honor, 
country. Here, I'll make another reference if you don't mind. Please do. Okay. Another one of your books that you brought. <laughs> That's it. So I'm referencing the, referencing the Cadet Bible, the Bugle Notes. So a message from General MacArthur upon acceptance of the Thayer Award, the highest award gifted or handed by the Academy. And so General MacArthur said from the poop deck in the mess hall, that's what it's called, uh, Washington Hall, duty, honor, country. These three hallowed words reverently dictate what you ought to be, what you can be, what you will be. They are your rallying points to bring courage when courage seems to fail, to regain faith when there seems to be little cause for faith, to create hope when hope becomes forlorn. So he defines duty, honor, and country. Notice honor is the second. Yeah. So let's talk about duty, and that'll help yeah. you with the principles. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you're you're pointing out that it was the second honor was the second honor's the duty, second duty came first. Duty is first. So okay. what is duty? Yeah. And this will get to your your principled approach or question. Um, duty is doing what needs to be done, the right, the principle. Remember, principles are universal yep. and not time bound. Timeless. You yes. know what's right. Yes. No gray areas. Oh, I should make note. I'm wearing black and white on purpose. I, I noticed that. I love that. And I always wear black. <laughs> I know so, you do. Yeah, so, I like your sermons, yes, brother. Yeah, yes, preacher yes. Pat. So we're, uh, yeah, there's no gray areas. There's no gray right areas now. at this day we're right now. You better code. believe it. Um, so uh, that we'll get to that, actually, a little bit of the black and white nature of it. But, um, but now let's stay focused on duty. Yeah. So duty is doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done without being told to do so. And when absolutely no one is watching, that's duty. Well, can, you, can you repeat those four things? I, those I are sure so can. critical for us to get. I can, and, and it's a joy. Duty is defined as doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done without being told to do it. This is good for parents out there. Yes. Without being told to do it and when absolutely no one is around. You're not doing it because someone told you. If I may. Yes. Um, another reference to the bugle notes, the, and it's actually the cadet prayer. If I may read from this. Yes. So this is a prayer that's over 200 years old. Um, it's a reference to the Almighty. And so it, of course, begins, O God, our Father, thou searcher of men's hearts, help us to draw near to thee in sincerity and truth. Later, it says, encourage us in our endeavor to live above the common level of life. It goes on, move us to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong and never to be content with a half truth when the whole can be won. That's so packed full of truths. It really is. Yeah. So it and is a half, representation. The half truths, like not. No, 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 it's, no. It's straight areas. up. Never to be content with a half truth when that whole can be won. Yeah. And so it's the idea that really taps into the second part of the honor code. The second part being nor tolerate. Okay. Now those here's what I'm going to do. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to pause you because we have to hear this. We're going to come back on a second episode with this. We uh, have to do part two because this is so good. <laughs> and I wanted to ask that. I wanted to ask about the part two of this. So we're going to come okay. back and, and do that in the second part. And then you can unpack those four things a little better for us as well. Uh, the four I'd parts be, of duty. But I'd before be, we leave yeah. really quickly, which is, this is an ironic question because we're mm. talking about no gray areas and honor and integrity. Yes. So I want you to give me two truths and a lie from your life. <laughs> And see, and see if I can figure out what it is. We've known each other for a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. Audience has been listening to you for about yeah. twenty minutes now. Yeah. So, so two truths 
and a lie, which okay. again is ironic because we're talking about no gray Oh, what fun. So you yeah. mentioned, I was, I was going to, um, in thought about this, I of course would say yeah. um, that I'm Apache pilot. So that's, that's not one of them. That's not that one of them. Already. So yeah, I gave, you gave that away. So let's, uh, let's go with three. Um, and oh, I can't wait to hear your answer to this. Yes. So number one, I'm a hall of famer. Okay. Number two, I have a PhD in organizational leadership and development. And number three, I'm a Rhodes Scholar National Finalist. Oh, well, you did make this difficult for me because I can see you being all three of those. The time that I've known you, <laughs> Rhodes Scholar would totally fit. I mean, you are well-read and eloquent. Oh, man. But I'm going to go just because you, were, you had to think about it unless you set me up with it. Go ahead. It's the Rhodes Scholar that's the lie. You are wrong. Oh, see, you set me no, up. I set you, you up. So, <laughs> 1983 Rhodes Scholar National Finalist. I'm not a Rhodes Scholar, okay. so um, uh, lost out to a remarkable class of people that year, yeah. uh, including, yeah. including the first captain, the highest ranking cadet, John Tien, who's today in the administration for the president. Okay, uh, he is the Rhodes Scholar yeah. from our class. Um, so, the PhD is the lie. Okay. Don't have a PhD, but I am a Hall of Famer. You have a PhD in life experience. <laughs> I call that my pretty hard degree. Yes. Yeah, there it's you my go. PhD. There you go. Yeah, and then the Hall of Famer reference was to uh, just a couple of years ago, my high school called me back to be in, in doc, enshrined into the Hall of Fame. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful to stay connected to the community. Yeah. Indeed. Well, Mark, thank you. We're going to come pleasure. back for a second episode, part two, and we Thanks, need to Pat. unpack some more, some more of this. So we'll have some thank fun. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Pat. Truly my honor. Thanks for listening to the No Gray Areas podcast. To dive deeper into the story, be sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, and check out nograyareas.com.